to Who's Next Door, the show that digs into the drama, conflicts, and unsolved mysteries lurking on everyone's favorite neighborhood social network. I'm your host, Cheryl. And I'm your host, Jesse. We're neighbors in mid-city Los Angeles. We're also walking buddies. Come take a walk with us as we get to know the people behind the post. Hey, Jesse. How you doing? It's been a while. Quite a year, right? What are you talking about, Cheryl? Let's see. Take your pick. There's pandemic, civil unrest, wildfires, no camps. No camps. Remember when that was kind of quaint? Now it's no schools. Well, there must be good news somewhere. Should we check our favorite neighborhood social network? You bet. So I know how you love a good scandal, and there's been one in our neighborhood. Tell me more. Well, let me read the post. Joseph in Rainier Village wrote, Large boulders on Cataragus now being removed. The large boulders on Cataragus that were placed there to discourage homeless encampments are now being removed by private workers. When asked, they say that the city is paying them to remove. Wait, why were there large boulders on Cataragus? And for that matter, what is a Cataragus? Well, according to Wikipedia, Cataragus is a Uruguayan word roughly translated to foul-smelling banks. <laughs> but... <laughs> in this case, it's the name of a street in our neighborhood that passes under the 10 freeway. And by boulders, you mean like physical rocks, big rocks? Yeah, rocks. Huh. But where did the boulders come from? The boulder fairies? Well, that's an excellent question, and I think we should go investigate. So take a walk? Yeah. So we're on Cataragus. Cataract. I always thought it that was Cataragus. So let's walk towards the underpass. I mean, it's a strange hybrid of a neighborhood because you have some pretty old LA bungalow style houses. Then you have the freeway that they, they were probably put in before the freeway. And then you have the freeway that cuts right through the neighborhood. And then obviously developers are coming in, buying those houses and putting up more luxury type of apartment buildings. Here's the underpass. Overpass or underpass, Jesse? This is an under. We are. It's an underpass. Okay. Well, I get maybe it's an overpass when you're on the top and an underpass when you're on the bottom. <laughs> it's all about perspective, is what you're saying. It actually looks pretty clean, right? Yeah. Okay, I see one van, a red van parked with some. Like, but I don't see any boulders. The boulders have been removed. Yeah. And uh, and it's all and it's very clean for an LA underpass. Are you smelling? Let's smell it. No, it smells like definitely dead smelling. But you know, what doesn't? What I want to know is where they got the boulders, and then where did they put the boulders when they took them away? Like, who? Where do these like boulders spots. come from? Where do you get a bunch of boulders? Did he steal it from like a yeah, a quarry? Like a landscaping boulder, right? Uh, I don't know. Hi. 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 We're we're doing a podcast about the neighborhood, and we want to do a story on the homeless people and the boulders that appeared. Oh, you're smiling. Cause... Well, I've been reading about it for the last couple of days, so I have no idea what's going on. I heard the city put them up. I heard there was a GoFundMe account on it. What's your thoughts on those boulders? I mean, the homeless situation's horrible in LA, you know, so... Um... How long have you been living in this neighborhood? Um, 20 years. Wow, and have you seen it changed? Yes. In what ways has it changed? 
mostly for the good, <laughs> um, you know, because housing prices have skyrocketed. So, you know, it's a lot safer. Um, when I first moved here, there would be shootings. There, you know, there was various stuff happening in the neighborhood. Um, the only thing that has escalated is the homeless. So housing prices have skyrocketed, and so has the homeless population. See any connection, Jesse? No. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> we have over 60,000 people without a place to live in L.A. County because homes are so darn affordable. They're just a bitter renter. <laughs> no, no, I get it. The prices have gone bonker balls. Bonker balls. Speaking of bonker balls, I found that GoFundMe for the boulders that the neighbor was talking about. It wasn't just a rumor. There really was a GoFundMe? They crowdsourced the boulders? They sure did. The GoFundMe was titled Cataragas Tunnel Safety and Beautification Project. It raised $3,650 before it was closed. And guess who created the GoFundMe? I don't know. Oscar the Grouch? No, Oscar would be pro-urban camping. I'll give you a hint. (laughs) It's somebody who we interviewed already on our podcast. No way. Okay. The dog poop lady? No, no. The gardener? No. Oh, I bet it's one of the realtors. They're so organized and they love to leave gifts at people's homes. No, no, no. It was the self-appointed Rainier Park Commissioner. Oh, it's Peter from the used condom in the park episode. He is the community organizer type. Right. It was Peter. So I left a message for him asking for another interview, but he never got back to me. Oh, let's just go visit the park and see if we can track him down. Great idea. In fact, there is something else at the park I want to show you. What, another used condom? (laughs) No, you'll see. Hey, Jesse, what do you notice about Rainier Park? Well, so Rainier Park, I think what you're asking me about is the boulders that are placed in Rainier Park. Um, Artfully, I, I actually like them because they're for sitting. But, but they prevent people from playing sports. Hi, excuse me. Uh, who are you with, please? It's a podcast called Who's Next Door. We do a podcast about the neighborhood. And we're doing a story about the boulders under the um, underpass. Yeah, you and everybody. Oh, you had a lot of people come by? Uh, yes. Like from the news? Yes, or? Channel 7's actually, I believe, here or on their way now. And we were just wondering what, um, what people who live nearby think about, think about the boulders. I'm going to tell you, we were forced to take action because the city was unable to help us with the problem we're having with homeless people living under the underpass. So who put the rocks there? That was put there by some of the community. Yeah. Were you, were you I, I'm not going to discuss that with you. Okay. I don't think it makes any difference which individual put the rocks there. The issue is, is that the city is failing and our councilman, Herb Wesson, is failing to help us keep our community safe. Mm -hmm. And in addition, they are failing to help the homeless people who live in the community. Nobody should be calling a freeway underpass their home. I love how cagey that woman was. She clearly was part of the Boulder GoFundMe. (laughs) And we should mention that the interview took place in front of Peter's house. I'm pretty sure he was hiding from us inside there. Probably a smart move on his part. (laughs) It sounds like Peter's neighbor really feels like the city government has failed them. Yeah, there's a lot of anger towards the city council. But luckily, the local South Robertson Neighborhood Council 
also known as SORO, held an open meeting about the boulders shortly after we did that interview. And Peter made a statement. Take a listen. The issue is how do we strike a balance between a person's right to shelter and a child's right to safely walk through on their way to elementary school? This July, an unhoused individual camped in the tunnel attacked and chased a resident walking through, holding his four-year-old daughter's hand while pushing a baby stroller. Our community had finally had enough. We raised money. We organized a cleanup, a steam clean, and set boulders, measured 30 inches at their largest dimension, set oblong against the wall, leaving eight feet of sidewalk clearance. The long list of violent incidents in Cattaraugus Tunnel has left our community desperate to implement a strategy to keep the passage safe. We tried what we felt was a peaceful solution, a peaceful protest. Consequently, as creator of the GoFundMe, I was told I would be charged with a felony if we did not remove the boulders in 24 hours. So neighbors worked together to remove them this past Thursday at our own expense. Whoa, a felony from park commissioner to felon? What a fall. Any other juicy tidbit come out of that meeting? Yes. So the boulders came out of a Soro homeless subcommittee that went rogue. So the neighborhood—that's <laughs> right. So the neighborhood council issued a statement denouncing the boulders as "quote hostile architecture." Hostile architecture. What does that mean? Architecture that's mean to people? Yes, yeah, sort of. Although in this case, it was more like passive aggressive architecture. <laughs> but I do understand some of their frustration. What is the city really doing to end homelessness? Well, I have a friend, Stephanie Klasky Gamer, who leads LA Family Housing, an organization that builds and runs supportive housing. And I bet she can answer some of our questions. Ooh, give Stephanie a call. Hi, good morning. Who's responsible for helping the homeless in Los Angeles? Usually our counties are in charge of all health and human services and they receive federal dollars in that space of health and human services. And our cities are responsible for land use policies and funding the development of affordable housing. So it's not one entity. It's not the city and it's not the county. The city builds the housing and the county pays for services. So in Los Angeles, as we all know, L.A. County is made up of 88 cities. The city of Los Angeles is the largest city within the county, but the coordination of those 88 cities within a city and county structure is pretty challenging. And the scale with which they are trying to address this crisis is overwhelming. I know in May, Judge David O'Carter ordered the Los Angeles authorities to move thousands of homeless people away from freeways and the ramps because of his concern about the deadly hazards in the air and the quality in those areas. Is that a practical solution to homelessness? As you know, when you have limited resources, you have to prioritize who gets access to those resources. So for the last couple of years, the priority in Los Angeles has been our most vulnerable population, those with chronic health, mental health issues, those who don't have other resources or supports like faith or family or employment, those have become our most prioritized population. And we determine where people are um, uh, in that prioritization based on the vulnerability assessment tool that we use. In our homeless service delivery system in L.A. County, 
those who scored the highest were given the housing interventions that are so mm-hmm. valuable, an apartment, a shelter bed, et cetera. It was, it was reserved for those who were the most sick, the most at risk of dying on the streets, if not brought indoors. What is challenging in the moment we're in right now is it's pitting different populations against each other. And unfortunately, we don't want anyone to be outside, but in many ways, living under a freeway overpass is better than some other places where people live. But with the judge's order, we have to comply and move people who are living under freeways, and they get shot priority now. Some of the neighbors said that the population in the underpass changed a little bit. Everybody's more agitated. We're all living under, (laughs) seriously, we are all living under a very unnatural way to exist. There used to be public offices. Outside of those um, government agency offices, there were always charging stations for people's phones. Well, when those government offices shut down, so did all of the charging stations. Imagine losing your lifeline. The only way to reach your therapist, the only way to check in maybe with your parole officer, the only way to call in a prescription that you need for your medication. People haven't been able to get their typical services. So uh, just imagine the layers of stress that our unhoused neighbors have. And, yes, we might all be feeling and seeing it as aggression, but they're, they're scared, they're exhausted, they're fed up, they're sick. And they're not able to get the care they used to get. What are some of the possible solutions or ways that people are addressing this? So, you know, not to be too simplistic, but the obvious way to end homelessness in somebody's life, you end homelessness with home. So we don't end homelessness with boulders? Mm, Guess not. (laughs) Boulders are a lot cheaper than homes. So I wonder, what's something neighbors can do immediately if they see a homeless person in distress? Well, Stephanie mentioned that you can call the county's homeless hotline at 211, and then you can register an encampment or an individual, and 211 can take the information, and then they pass it on to the appropriate agency who can go out to the encampment. 211, that's helpful. You know, this whole incident got me wondering, who is a member of our community? Is it just homeowners, homeowners and renters, homeowners, renters, and people living outdoors? I don't know. This all hurts my head. Well, it is definitely a huge issue that probably our podcast or even a neighborhood group is not going to solve on its own. (laughs) But even if we can't solve homelessness, we can treat our unhoused neighbors just as we treat our housed neighbors. Oh, you mean complain about them endlessly on the neighborhood social network? Exactly. Who's Next Door is brought to you by Jesse Liner Vos and Cheryl Zone. Music by Noam Liner Vos. Graphics by Sasha Kuttner. Learn more at www.whosnextdoorpodcast.com.